Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Thank you, everybody. Welcome uh, to The Late Show. I'm your host, Stephen Colbert. Last night... (laughs) Hope everybody had fun out last night. It was Halloween. And the one thing I love, uh, you see this sometimes, uh, the next day, you'll see some of the little ones still in their costumes. I saw, isn't that great? I saw this cute little fella, saw this cute little fella going around uh, today in adorable cowboy boots. What was his name? Governor Ron DeSantis. <laughs> you see, just a little shaver, just a little shaver of a guy. Just so, like, I'm a cowboy. And so fun, just so fun, having a good time. You see, DeSantis wears only cowboy boots. And here's the thing, cowboy boots, they're great. If you're a cowboy. If you're the governor of Florida, you look like a dork. Nobody <laughs> believes he's roping doggies in Tampa. Even though doggie style is Tampa's number one strip club. <laughs> Ride him and rope him. Now, the rumored scandal is, I don't know if you've heard this, but the, the, the scandal is that DeSantis isn't wearing the boots for fashion. No, America's top cobblers believe that inside his boots, DeSantis is probably wearing height-boosting insoles. <laughs> No, this is a true scandal. This is the greatest political height scandal since we found out Lincoln wore that hat to hide his stovepipe forehead. <laughs> yeah. The, um, the, the theory goes, and follow me down the rabbit hole, you can tell DeSantis is wearing lifts because his foot is too far back in the boot, which makes the toes curl up. Okay, let's, uh, let's check that. Jim, show me a picture. There he is giving a speech. Zoom in on the boots. Sweet Keebler elf. Governor, Governor, are you wearing lifts or are your toes just happy to see me? Cuz, cuz, if he's not wearing lifts, he needs to get better boots, okay? If he is wearing lifts, why are you wearing lifts? You're wearing cowboy boots. You're lifted already. Look, I'm wearing, look, I'm wearing cowboy boots tonight, right here. Look at this. I've got. I got cowboy boots on. Now, this is a good look. I'll I'll grant you that. Look how much height they already give me. I get like two inches of loft just from that heel right there, okay? It's ridiculous how high I am. I need supplemental oxygen up here. They make you walk funny. They make you walk funny. I feel like the world's shortest Uncle Sam in a parade in these things. <laughs> Hello, happy 4th of July, kids. DeSantis' primary opponent, Donald Trump, is in a bit of a pinch right now. He's facing two federal criminal trials, two state criminal trials, and at least one state civil trial for business fraud. And yesterday, he ranted about how rude it is that our justice system conflicts with his campaign. We actually have one judge that wants the lawsuit to start the day before Super Tuesday. 
We're going to make America great again. We're going to put America first. And we're going to have a great country. It's going to be called the United States of America. Thank you very much. I did wait a second. Did he just try to claim that he invented the USA? <laughs> That's not right. Everyone knows the USA was invented by Miley Cyrus. She wanted to throw a party. She was throwing a party. She needed the perfect venue. <laughs> it's hard to keep track of all the Trump court cases, but we'll tell you all about the five-headed hydra of legal jeopardy that is chasing him down the campaign trail in our new segment. Road to the White House and or Big House. Donald Trump be the people. America decides and or First up, we have an update about the classified documents he stored in the Mar-a-Lago bathroom. Now, now that the feds have febrezed the evidence, <laughs> it's time for what's called the discovery phase. Just last night, Trump and his lawyers visited a secure facility known as a skiff to view the documents, but some of the documents were so classified that even the skiff wasn't sufficiently secure to store them, and alternate arrangements had to be made for viewing. It was actually too secret for the government's most secret room. They had to move the whole thing someplace no one would ever go, like a Chris Christie rally. (laughs) But there's... There's also... There's also uh, the civil trial in New York presided over by Judge Arthur Angoran. I'm sorry, I mispronounced that. I meant Judge Arthur Angoran! (laughs) Three of Trump's adult children will be taking the stand soon... So he responded by rage-truthing on his website, there is no victim except me. Leave my children alone and go on. You are a disgrace to the legal profession. How dare you come after my sweet, innocent children? Don Jr., Ivanka, and Eric, as I call them, Little Me, Lady Me, and Wonder Gums. <laughs> now... What? I bought him from a freak show. Like a totally not worried person would do, Trump wrote this attack on the judge at 2.20 a.m. Because <laughs> nothing says, I'm not thinking about you, like posting at 2 in the morning. It's like a guy posting a gym selfie with a caption, pumping the iron at midnight. I don't miss you, Brenda. Say hi to the kids, because the judge says I can't. <laughs> but I know behind that is kind of a sad story, isn't it? <laughs> But it turns out 2 a.m. truth rants are not legally binding and as planned. Today, the court heard from Trump's son and guy failing to catch a shrimp at Benihana. (laughs) Don Jr. Don Jr. arrived at the courtroom in a jovial mood. I should have worn makeup. (laughs) No, you don't need it. Everybody knows you're a clown. (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm kidding. just... Obviously, obviously, he didn't mean that kind of makeup. He just loves to powder his nose. The... Is that a half? Was that a half? Did I get a half from that? The fraud trial also gave us a peek into Trump's 2014 attempt to buy the Buffalo Bills, uh, where he bid a billion dollars, but then refused to reveal his financials to the NFL. Instead, he passed out copies of a Forbes list of top-paid entertainers. And when that didn't work, he distributed irrefutable proof that he was the sexiest man alive. 
Car and driver's best midside sedan and the number one trick to make your man go wild. Now, there's also, there's also a Supreme Court case featuring Donald Trump right now. The justices are currently hearing arguments over whether a T-shirt maker can trademark the phrase, Trump too small. The case goes all the way back to 2016 during the Republican primary when Rubio took a swipe at Trump. Have you seen his hands? They're like this. And you know what they say about men with small hands? <laughs> yes, I do. Small hands, large chance of driving America to some of its darkest moments since the Civil War. <laughs> to compensate for a tiny penis. President Biden has been busy this week. On Monday, he signed an executive order to oversee AI, and there is no one I trust more (laughs) to save us from the rise of the machines (laughs) than Joe Biden, as long as none of those machines is a bicycle. (laughs) He's fine. He's fine. Now, you might be asking, why is Joe suddenly talking about the robots? According to the White House, Biden's concern about AI grew after watching Mission Impossible (laughs) Dead Reckoning Part 1, and we actually have the exact scene that scared Biden. No, not the train, Jack. No, no. We gotta save the choo-choo. Come on. Not the Acela. The president issued a chilling warning about the dangers of AI. AI devices are being used to deceive people. With AI, fraudsters can take three-second, and you all know this, three-second recording of your voice, three seconds recording of your voice, and generate an impersonation good enough to fool, you know, I was going to say your family, fool you. And they can use it to scam loved ones into sending money because they think you're in trouble. Well, that's truly terrifying. I mean, thankfully, I'm a tech-savvy guy, and there's no way some sort of deep fake could ever fool me. I'm sorry. That's weird. I never get calls here during the show. I'm sorry. Hold on one second. Hello? Hey, Stephen Colbert. This is the real Joe Biden, President of the United States. Oh, my gosh. President Biden, everybody. What what an honor. What an honor. Uh, Sir, uh, sir, how can I help you? Hi. I'm calling because I'm in trouble. Oh, no. Oh, no, what's going on? My nephew is a Nigerian prince, and he needs the three digits on the back of your Visa and or MasterCard. Well, okay, he needs the digits on my card here? Okay, uh, it's six, four, wait a second. Is this a scam? If you're the real Joe Biden, say something only Joe would say. Yum, yum, ice cream. Convinced now? Yes. (laughs) Joe Biden, everybody. Mr. President, would you mind telling the people... Hold on. Would you, would you mind telling the people what we've got coming up tonight? We've got a great show for you tonight. Stephen's guest is Congressman Adam Kinzinger, and later he'll have a performance by the legendary Willie Nelson. That young fellow's got some dank balls. But first, tell me the name of your childhood pet. Come on, Jack. Joe Biden, everybody. It was Whiskers, sir. More Late Show Pod Show after this. 
check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Lewis, uh, do you ever wear cowboy boots? No. No. <laughs> I, I forgot to take them off between acts, and now they're really chafing my calves. Blisters? Ter- terrible idea. Lewis, you know, we've got some fantastic guests tonight. We have a former congressman, really an extraordinary fellow, been on the show many times. Adam Kingsinger is going to be here. (laughs) Now, now, uh, folks, part of my job, as you probably know, is staying on top of current events. But I I saw something this afternoon that really surprised me. According to a a CBS press release, where I get most of my news, (laughs) apparently... The network has announced the new late-night series, which will take over the 12.30 time slot right after my show. And I was so excited to see CBS's new foray into late-night. What would it be? Maybe 60 minutes after dark? (laughs) I was even more excited to find out that it's actually going to be a new show called After Midnight, inspired by the comedy game show At Midnight that used to follow me on The Colbert Report, which is great. But there's one detail in this press release that really caught my eye, and it's that... After Midnight will be produced by my old friends at Funny or Die, as well, as well as someone named, and I hope I'm pronouncing this correctly, Stephen Colbert. That's right. I will be producing the show that is on right after this one, if I am able to stay awake that long. Anyway, I'm very excited. This is all just wonderful news. But we obviously, we have a lot of work to do. For instance, according to this press release, again, there is currently no host for After Midnight. And that is a tough gig to fill. I mean, we're still trying to find a good host for The Late Show. (laughs) And After Midnight, and for this show coming up, we'll need someone who is, I don't know, fun, likable, young, in touch with online trends, and available every night of the week so the search is on. And if anyone knows of anyone, please do not be shy. Now, folks, the one thing Uh, that... Steven? What? Hey, Steven. Taylor Tomlinson, (laughs) one of my favorite comedians... Taylor, why, why are, Taylor, why are you and my audience interrupting me while I'm in the middle of looking for a new host? Well, you just said if, if anyone had any ideas to... Oh, please. Do you, do you know of anyone? Yeah, I was just thinking, um, I can do it. <laughs> wow. That... I mean, I hadn't thought of that, but that... That sounds great, but would you, would you want to host that show on the network? Yeah, I mean, yeah, seems fun. Yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. Well, I love that idea, but, you know, this is professional TV, so we should probably focus group it. Uh, guys, do you think she should? <laughs> Get up here! Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the newest late-night host, Taylor Tomlinson. Have a seat. Now, uh, yeah. t- t- Thank Taylor. you guys for clapping. That would have been so embarrassing. <laughs> if we focus grouped it and they were like, 
Uh, Taylor, I'm so glad you're going to do this. I'm a huge fan. You've already got this amazing career. You've got two of the, of the biggest uh, comedy specials on Netflix. Um, you're in the, in the middle of a huge national tour. What excites you about taking this job? I'm just having a job. I've never... <laughs> I've never had a real job. Like you've never, you've never I've, had a real job. No, I've been doing stand-up since I was 16, which is not a job. And so no job, no job. I mean, I worked at like a buffet and a wax salon. Like not real. You didn't have a job. These are, no, I didn't, didn't have, a have a job. So like this has been a really fun couple months. Like I was on TikTok searching like how to nail a job interview. <laughs> TikTok is Google for children, and. <laughs> Like, how do you impress your maybe boss? Like, I've... Oh, you did. <laughs> I want to show them this photo. Last night after the show, I called you to tell you I had the job. And I also told you the best part of having one of these jobs is being able to find and hire really good people. And this is the moment that I told you that you had the job. <laughs> this is... This is... That's zoomed in right there. That's it right there. And I just... That's such a beautiful photo to me. I just, I want to have like a ca caption contest. What is going through her mind? What is she reacting oh, to? Oh man, when you log onto the Zoom and realize you should have dried your hair and put on more makeup <laughs> is what's actually happening. Well, I didn't know if I got the job. I thought they were calling to let me down easy. So I, I wasn't sure what was going to happen. So to me, this is the face of like, you know when you think you're going to get dumped, but they propose instead? Yes. <laughs> Taylor, if I was letting you down easy, I wouldn't have called. <laughs> Um, uh, listen, I, I suspect, just from the general vibe here, that you might be one or two years younger than I am. And I'm just curious. <laughs> before HR stops me, may I ask how old you are? I'm almost 30. I'm, I'm wow. right there. I'm almost 30. You're 20. Wait, hold on. You're 29. I'm 29. So if you don't know who I am, don't worry. I barely know myself. <laughs> you, I'm 59. You are more than entire Taylor Tomlinson younger than I am. And I... <laughs> I don't find that upsetting at all. Um, when, when exactly is your birthday? Saturday. Saturday. Yeah. Wow. Well, uh, ha happy birthday. I got you a network show. <laughs> Taylor Tomlinson, thank you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, After Midnight, we're rearing early next year with its host, Taylor Tomlinson. Coming up, Representative Adam Kinzinger. Now you can feel like you're in the audience at the Ed Sullivan Theater with official Late Show with Stephen Colbert merchandise at ParamountShop.com. Shop t-shirts, mugs, accessories, and more, and Late Show Poncho listeners can take 20% off with code TLS20. That's 20% off at checkout on all Late Show products with code TLS20 at ParamountShop.com. My first guest tonight is a former Illinois congressman who spent over a year investigating Donald Trump as part of the January 6th committee. Now he's written a book, Renegade, Defending Democracy and Liberty in Our Divided Country. Please welcome back to The Late Show, Congressman Adam Kinzinger. Hey. Okie dokie. Good to see you again. Yeah, you too. Good to be here. Um, you are uh, someone who is now famous for having done a very hard thing. <laughs> well, thanks. You you refused to go along to get along yeah. when you saw um, your um, political allies 
being pulled out with the tide into someplace dangerous. You rode against the tide of the times, mm. and you caught hell for it. And it's all in your new book, Renegade. When did it become clear? When did it become clear just how much hell you were going to catch for doing that? You know, it's interesting because, and I, I kind of write about this in the book, looking back now, so kind of looking at the forest instead of the trees, you can be like, there were a lot of little signs that I was going to catch hell along the way, right? Like, <laughs> things that were happening, but it became quite obvious. I'd say the night of the election in 2020, when Donald Trump just said, like, stop the votes, stop the count, Yeah, you know? the middle of the night. Yeah, yeah, middle of the night. And then uh, particularly when I started to see people like Mike Johnson starting this lawsuit you know, against, uh, against the election results on behalf of Texas. And it just became really clear at that point, it became really clear at that point that this was going to be difficult. I didn't think we would end up in a few years in the position we still are today. I thought we'd wake up from it, but I knew it was going to cost everything, and it was fine. Did it, is, it, is it more than you thought it would cost? I think so, because I, I guess I always had this assumption that, you know, especially the people I worked with, to some level, had some innate decency where they would say, okay, here's a red line we can't cross. And, and I think one of the more disappointing things to me is just coming to understand that some people have no red line that they aren't willing to cross, particularly when it comes to, to Donald Trump. Look, we took an oath not to the 700,000 people in our district. We took an oath to one thing, the Constitution. And there is no way you can tell me that enabling January 6th and post that enabling Donald Trump, there's no way you can tell me that didn't violate an oath to the Constitution. I just simply refuse to believe it. Well, one of the things... One of the things that I, I found most upsetting about this, and I'm sure you do too, that the backlash didn't just come uh, politically, it came personally. Yeah. That there are members of your family... Uh, well, I'll let you tell the story. What, what, what happened? Well, it's, you know, <laughs> I went down to see my folks when I was, you know, probably once a month, right? And I happened to go on the day that a registered, a certified letter shows up to my parents' house to me. I'm like, okay, great. And I see it, and I, I saw some familiar names on the return address. And it just starts out with, oh, my. And I was thinking, oh, they're, they're going to say nice things to me. It says, oh, my, what a disappointment you are to us and to God. And then it went on about how you've lost the trust of great people like Sean Hannity, you know, <laughs> Mark Levin, truly. And it just, you know, so about 10 to 15 members of my family disowned me, my, my extended family. That is the behavior, that. that's what happens in cults. Like that's if someone exactly. leaves the cult, the leader of the cult says you have to cut yourself off. So that, so that their allegiance to Donald Trump is more important than familial bonds. So then, then water was thicker than blood in this case. Yeah, totally. It's, it's what happens in a cult, and it's what happens when you're infected with political brainworms, and you've been convinced that, you know, a man is more important than any policy. My co-pilot in the Iraq war, okay? You think of a bond you can have between... My co-pilot from the Iraq war sent me a text about a year ago that said, I'm ashamed to have ever flown with you because he doesn't like that I was telling him the truth against a man he loves who refused to tell him the truth. And I don't say that to get sympathy, but everybody that's listening to this story has some experience like that they can relate to, particularly because uh, Thanksgiving's coming up and Uncle Ron's going to get tuned up and sure. talk about Donald Trump, you know? Sure. Um, we're going to slip Uncle Ron a few jellies. A few <laughs> <That'd> be nice. <laughs> little THC gummies to loosen him up before yeah, he sits I down. Yeah, like I like it. We have to take a break, but stick around, everybody. We'll be right back with more. Congressman Adam Kinzinger. 
Late Show Pod Show listeners can get 20% off on all Late Show with Stephen Colbert merchandise on ParamountShop.com. That's 20% off at checkout on all Late Show shirts, mugs, accessories, and more with code TLS20 at ParamountShop.com. with the author of Renegade, Adam Kinzinger. You say you feel some responsibility for the GOP's decline. Yeah, look, I think it's important if you're going to talk about your story and talk about the decline of the GOP, of which I was part of, to say, I played a role in that. And look, I recognize that you play with fire a little bit because it's great at fundraising, right? You can get people fired up and you, you work that a little bit or you don't speak out. I spoke out a lot as a Republican congressman, but not as much as I should have. I voted against the first impeachment out of pure cowardice. And it's the one thing I recognize and admit is... What do you mean? Like, how, like well, where was the, the, the pressure from the rest I, of your party saying you cannot do this? Yeah, the, all this pressure came in and said, you know, you can't vote for the first impeachment. And I just, in my soul, I'm like, look, he tried to manipulate Ukraine for political stuff but I found a technicality, which is the speed at which the impeachment was happening. I found that technicality and said, kind of, that's my way out. And in a way, I'm glad because I was able to survive to do the stuff for January 6th. But I'm not going to pretend like that wasn't a cowardice move to vote against it because it was. And maybe I could have brought more people with me. But I think we have to recognize that because if we're going to come back from this dark moment we're in, people have to recognize the role they played and commit to playing a role to defend this country and democracy. Like a Truth and Reconciliation Commission? That's right, yeah. Okay. Last time, last time you were here, uh, Kevin McCarthy had just <laughs> gotten in as speaker after 15... <laughs> was it 15 votes? Something yeah. Like, something like, like that. Okay. And did you think he would last 10 months? I don't know what I thought anymore. Like... <laughs> Did it feel, uh, how about this? Did it feel good to see him? Oh, my gosh, it was great. And I, I, I mean, I'm just being honest. Like, sure. this is a guy that I know, to me, the worst thing is not somebody that actually thinks the election was stolen and, you know, goes about that. It's somebody like Kevin McCarthy that knows it wasn't stolen. He knows he's lying, but he's willing to go along with it anyway. This is a guy that, like, initially was talking about how he wanted to make the GOP something that, you know, could millennials could like and tech and all that. And he just sold out to Donald Trump, and then he sold out to become speaker. So this may have been a little faster than I expected, but it's exactly what I expected. Did, um... <laughs> How much do you know about the new speaker, Mike Johnson? Because I know his name... All I knew was his name was... <laughs> He's already made a lot of friends. Yeah, yeah. And um, I, I knew his name was Mike Johnson, and that was about it. And everything I've learned since then has been, um, well, he's, he's just as cult-like, but in a slicker package. That's right, yeah. yeah. So I, how, what was your interaction? Did you know him at all before? I, you know, I knew of him, but no, not really. You said he um, came up, like, with... Uh, came up with, like, a little clipboard asking me to sign on to this lawsuit, right? You know, so it was an amica brief, uh, amicus brief, I sure. think, and, and it, anyway, to try to get Congress on the record. And I'm just like, Mike, dude, like... I'm not going to do this. I'm the one out... And he just kind of scrambles away. And What was the pitch, though? Like, is, like There's got to be, like, a, a one-line sale. Yeah, the like... pitch was, hey, uh, you want to get on this lawsuit so we can throw out the votes in these other states? And I'm just like, no, I don't want to do that. And the interesting thing about that, Kevin McCarthy was not on that lawsuit until the day the names came out and people were upset about it, and he put out a statement that said, oh, yeah, I was on it. They just left my name off of it. And then they added his name... 
After he told Liz Cheney, by the way, that he wouldn't go on it because, of course not, this is an insane lawsuit. This is the kind of guy that was Speaker of the House for 10 months. And now the new Speaker of the House is a guy that was, like, leading that whole circus in the first place. Okay. Uh, Ken Buck, Re Representative Ken Buck, and a few other people, but Ken Buck was sort of very vocal about it, had said that they refused to vote for uh, Jim Jordan because they couldn't have an election denier second in line to the presidency in a constitutional office if they did not believe in our constitutional democracy. But then they yeah. voted for Mike Johnson. Do you know how that shift happened? Because it is wonderful to see someone who knows that they might be paying some sort of public price, but yeah. for their private conscience. But to see that person fold is doubly upsetting. It's really predictable. So I was talking to a lot of these opponents to Jim Jordan during this. I was calling them like, you got, because I was honestly impressed. If there's green shoots, I was impressed that they were able to tank Jim Jordan because I thought the pressure was going to come so intensely that they would just fall like dominoes. And 20 to 25 of them held out. I was calling them, talking to them. And they paid a huge price. They got the death threats that I had been getting for years, but they were getting that. So then Mike Johnson's name comes up and I'm like, they're going to they're going to they're going to collapse on this one because it's one thing to take that really tough stand once and they found an out. The out is Mike Johnson nobody really knows him. I can't vote against him again. I'm all in and every one of them voted for him. Now, one of the things that Mike Johnson has said is that um, if you want to know his worldview, like how he feels about issues specifically, you should go pick up a Bible. I pick up Bibles all the time. I, yeah. I'm a big fan. It's, yeah. it's a very good book. And <laughs> well, what what, uh, what 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 do you make of the Bible as a legislative uh, tool? The Bible is what the Bible is something that you know. For me, I use it as a guide for my life. I'm a Christian, right? I, the Bible shows me how to live my life. But I think this country was founded on the idea that a representative represents not just people that share his faith or her faith, but people that. You represent 700,000 people that I represented. They all don't believe the same thing I do. I'm not any more of a congressman for a certain set of people than I am for others. And that's what this country was founded on is the idea that we're going to protect church's existence, but we're not going to be a government based on the church. That's what the Taliban try to have in Afghanistan is a government that's based simply on a religious focus. We can be people that are spiritual people in government, but recognize that doesn't include anybody else that's atheist, Jewish, Muslim, Muslim or anything else in this country. This is a free country. Okay, we're going to take a quick break right here, but right back with more Congressman Adam Kinzer, everybody. Look at that. It's Adam Kinzinger, the author of the new book, Renegade. Trump's, Trump's 14th Amendment trial begins in Colorado this week. And for, for those of you who may not know, is that the 14th Amendment has within it that no one who is engaged in insurrection against the United States uh, of America or of its officers are allowed to hold office in the United States, an elected office. And the central question there is if Trump engaged in an insurrection. Yeah. You, you investigated that question for over a year in the January 6th committee. Is there enough evidence that he did indeed do that. Oh, I think absolutely. I think he absolutely engaged in insurrection. I went into that investigation trying to have an open mind, and I came out very convinced that Donald Trump wasn't just some guy riding a boat in the rough seas. He actually directed this insurrection to happen. Now, my thing on the 14th Amendment issue is I think 
they'd be frankly right to kick Donald Trump off the ballot because of this question. I think this is the law, this is the Constitution. I would just personally much rather see him get crushed at the ballot box because I think to yet get rejected again, Donald Trump is a loser who keeps losing, and I think to lose again will be important to heal this nation. And frankly, you've got, you have one very sick party in the GOP. To begin to heal that, they have to lose and lose and lose. Well, that, that I, I, I agree. <clears throat> well, two things. One, the, the, the 14th Amendment was passed for a particular purpose, and it really had to do with the, the Civil War. But at the heart of it is someone, uh, basically nullification of our votes because somebody doesn't particularly like the way the, the government is going to go if that election goes through. I mean, the Civil War kind of came about after Abraham Lincoln was elected. And they went, okay, we see the writing on the wall. We don't like the outcome of that election. We're going to bug out of here. And so the spirit of it is the same. If you cannot abide by the constitutional laws of the United States, you can't be a president of the United States or hold any office. So there's a reason it's there. It does make sense to me. I agree that defeating him in the ballot box would be more spiritually satisfying, in a way, for our nation. But the problem is, is that he doesn't recognize having lost in the right. ballot box. Yeah. So where does that leave you? You just get another round of denials, and you get another group of people who will agree with that. Yeah. Where does that leave us, Adam Kinzinger? <laughs> if the, if the courts can't do it, and Congress won't uh, impeach him, and the, the, the people's decision isn't accepted by him, or the majority of the GOP... How do we flush this unflushable turd? <laughs> you just keep flushing, man. Fuck it with a stick. <laughs> get the stick? You gotta get the stick okay. out. Okay. <laughs> um, next, next election is a year from Sunday. If, if, wow. something, if something happened, I don't mean nothing, nothing bad, but if, say, if Mr. Trump just changed his mind and wanted to just go stare at the sea for the rest of his life and, <laughs> and not be president of the United States, you know, happy, but, you know, yeah. he, they say he's president and they give him an Emmy yeah. and he's happy. Gets a gold watch. Okay, who would you like to see get the nomination from what was once your party? Well, so the two I find acceptable to an extent, Nikki Haley, I wish she'd actually speak out against Trump more, uh, and Chris Christie, because he's actually been speaking out against Donald Trump. I think there's three lanes left. There's the Trump lane, there's the Nikki Haley, who's kind of the old establishment, and the Chris Christie, who are people that are really ticked off at Donald Trump. And, uh, but I think this is Trump's to lose, you know? I, I think... I think the fact that everybody else on that debate stage is affirming Donald Trump the whole time they're debating. Oh, he's a victim. There's a two-tier justice system. Donald Trump is a victim of a witch hunt. There's no doubt then and no surprise that the Republican base believes that he's a victim because the people that are supposed to be saying he's not a victim are totally coddling him. And they're not using the tools at their disposal. Ninety-one indictments. Ninety-one. A federal judge has said, I'm not a federal judge, a New York judge has said, no, that E. Jean Carroll decision, that means you raped her. Yeah. And no one on that side is picking up that. Christie does to a certain extent, I'll give him that credit. But no one is using the knives at their disposal for him. It seems like they're not serious about wanting to defeat they're him. They're just scared to death. And if you're going to run for president scared to death, you probably shouldn't be president. Think about Mike Pence. Like, even. Even Mike Pence, who I give him credit for doing the constitutional thing on the day of January 6th, he called our committee, the January 6th committee, a partisan witch hunt. 
He said there was no Republican involvement in that. He's basically protected Donald Trump and, and said that there is a DOJ witch hunt against him. And then we wonder why he came out of the race with 1% of the vote. Because you can't be lukewarm, to use a biblical term. You're either hot or cold on Donald Trump. Either love the guy or spit him out. But to pretend like he's somewhat okay and it's okay to break the law a little bit, you're going to lose every time. Take a stand, people. That's what gets tiring to me is this. Take a stand. Congressman, thank you so much for being here. His book is Renegade. It's available now. Congressman Adam Kinzinger, everybody. Thank you for listening to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert. Just one more thing. If you want to see more of me, come to The Late Show YouTube channel for more clips and exclusives. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts.